But tonight, as we look at Psalm 55, 22, looking at particularly uh, pressure, and I'll talk about that here in just a moment. If you found your place in Psalm 55, uh, 22, this is something uh, that I was reading in my devotions here even recently, and uh, it has been a tremendous help uh, here even as of late. I've had several things that just been heavy on my mind. And I just said, Lord, i got to cast the burden upon you. Because sometimes these burdens that I'm wearing and holding on to uh, would perceptibly break me, right? You just get to that place, uh, and, and it feels just so heavy. In Psalm 55, 22, the Bible tells us God's word, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. You know what? I can take confidence that my God, He's going to hold me up. Sometimes life can be a little heavy. Sometimes so heavy. And I feel like I'm about ready to break. And it's when I take those burdens to the Lord. It's only when I bring those burdens to Him that I'm sustained. So these thought, as we take those thoughts, let's go to the Lord and ask for his blessing upon this time. We'll ask for his help, and we'll study this uh, thought further. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. And my Father, I, I need your help tonight. Lord, I yield it to thee. God, I'm just a vessel. But Lord, I want you to have your way through me, have your own way. I pray that that's the prayer of all of our hearts. God, I pray whatever heaviness is upon the hearts of those listening, that, Father, you would encourage and, Lord, you'd lift them up. Maybe they're at a point of about ready to break. Lord, I pray tonight would be something that would encourage hearts and help them to get back in the fight and to know that you're God. And so, God, I just commit tonight, I pray that you'd guide my lips and my speech with all that's said and done, that you'd be glorified. Jesus, I love you. I do need your help. And so, Lord, we ask you to do what only you can. We'll thank you for it. In the precious and holy name of my Savior, Jesus. Amen. Isn't it an encouragement to know that before the Lord that... I can't bring my burdens to him. Sometimes ministering, in a word to disciple makers, is ministering in the milieu. The word milieu means an environment or a setting. And the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you want to turn with me here to the book of Deuteronomy, there in the Pentateuch. Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible, Genesis through, uh, through Deuteronomy, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Genesis chapter 6, uh, verse 7. And so here in Genesis chapter 6, uh, the Bible gives us some instruction. This is what we've been talking about. This is the fourth lesson here uh, on ministry-minded oversight. And uh, that we are to use even the mundane activities of normal living, to, which oftentimes can bring us to the boiling point, can bring us to a place of great agitation. Uh, just as you're around your house and you're interacting with family, you're interacting with others, that uh, you can get very frustrated. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, 
And thou shalt teach them diligently to thy children, shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gate. So in this portion of Scripture, what part does the Word of God play in the house? Does it not say... Uh, your chil- diligently to your children, when they sit down, they stand up, when you get out of bed, when you're walking by the way, on your, on your frontlets between your eyes, I mean, it's on your mind of how I ought to behave. The ministry-minded leader will be alert when a, you know, someone that they're directing in their life begins to, to have some failures or conflicts or struggles or weaknesses or habits or uh, a temperament. Those will be covered in the milieu, the environment. Right? When de- t- teach them diligent to thy children, shall talk of them. You know, when our daughter, she'll be around the house, and all of a sudden something will happen, and she will be upset. I mean, it was last night, I was after Bible study last night, and Rebecca had stayed here, and she was talking with one of the ladies that was here, and, and I went home and took Eliana home, and I, was, I had to finish up something, so as I was finishing up, I heard Eliana just carrying on. I mean, she was just hollering and, you know, blaring, and and uh, I came out, and she had pinched her finger on the, the lid for the garbage. But nevertheless, it was just like, you know, something had happened. And I was like, well, what's going on, you know? And most of the time, when that carrying on is going on, there's some agitation that evokes a very strong emotional reaction. You know, it's in those moments that it's an opportunity to teach. You know what? Each of us learns best when there's a need or a weakness in our life that's been exposed. You know, when we've had something hard upon our life and uh, a difficulty comes and maybe I respond in a bad way and then I realize, you know what, I probably shouldn't have done that. This is where when maybe I've messed up that it's an opportunity to learn that, listen, I've done wrong. You know what, sometimes when we have messed up, we're more open to receiving help because we realize, listen, (laughs) Maybe I'm not as disciplined as I thought. You know what? A wise, alert, and ministry-minded parent will use the opportunity that God brings their way in everyday life events to teach the child something about God. You know, nothing exposes their own spiritual deficiencies and sometimes outright spiritual poverty uh, more than parenting and disciple-making. When you have an influence in someone's life and their actions uh, evoke a very strong emotional response from you, you know, I'm ju- sometimes we think, well, I'm justified in my actions. But if we were to take it through the test or the filter of Scripture, we understand that maybe we've been buckling under the pressure. And I want to talk about that. So here, as you see... Today was a usual day, and an illustration here for you, and as a pastor, until an appointment, I'm just reading an illustration the author's giving, an appointment with Janet, a fifth grade, uh, you know, a fifth year teacher, she's been here five years in a particular Christian school, she left the office, and, uh, you know, she wants to resign, she's been one of the stellar teachers, and all of a sudden, she, you know, she'd always been so energetic, she had seemed to live for her students, but then in a moment, Uh, She comes into the office of this pastor, and she says, I want to resign. 
I mean, she's had a, an incredible, impeccable testimony. She's wanted to do right. She's wanted to, to teach the children how to love God. But with tears, she comes into the class, into the, the pastor's office and explains how the last two months have been utterly miserable for her. She's lost all desire to get up in the morning. I don't even want to go. It's like God has left me. Maybe there was, you know, there's usual student and parent problems that were evident, but, you know, she did well. And now this teacher is counting the days until the end of the school year. She went to a doctor, and the doctor told her, well, you're burned out and you need to stop teaching. And so she, res- she resigns herself that that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to quit teaching. You know, so how, how, if somebody comes up to you in this way, how do you help them when they're saying, I'm done, I need a break? Have you ever felt that way? That life becomes so heavy, you're just like, I just need a break. You're at a breaking point. Now, sometimes, you know, Jesus did go away for a period of time, short period. But burnout is not a mysterious illness. It is the depression that results when we fail to handle pressures biblically. And I know that for myself, as I've really thought and, and been pondering upon these truths when putting this lesson and studying it and going through that figure number one is you see that the pressures first weigh upon the mind. You'll find that weight up on the top there, that black checkered box It's upon that beam, the reinforcing rods of your mind and your body. And, uh, you know, when the mind is not thinking biblically about pressure, some of the following may result. There's depression, there's boredom, there's listlessness, there's dullness, there's lack of interest, there's irritability. When someone gets around you, you're touchy. I mean, don't say that, you know, you're just like, I'm going to jump all over them. There's phobias or irrational fears, anxiety-related problems like panic attacks. Compulsive behavior like extreme perfectionism, eating disorders, excessive exercise, and changes in personal and social habits like withdrawal and obnoxiousness. So if we don't handle that weight adequately in my mind, in the bottom being, you know, if I don't, as it affects my mind, it affects my body. Most of the following effects can have, but they also have common indications of a bodily strain by wrongly handled pressures, muscular tension and headaches. Have you ever had so much stress in your life that you just get these migraine headaches? It's your stress of life is affecting your mind, which affects your body. You're a body, soul, and spirit, which also then thereby affects your relationship with God. But they also, insomnia, maybe you're not sleeping well because whatever the problem is, you're worried about it. You have fatigue, you have an increased or a decreased appetite, you know, you need to eat for comfort or I don't feel like eating because I, you know, I'm so stressed out. Heart palpitations, tics, itching, colitis, diarrhea, ulcers, cramps, and other stomach disorders. Now there's many self-help books on this, and I do tend to carry my stress in my shoulders and I, 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 I get that. And, and, you know, it's one of those things. But it does affect me, and I, I know it does. And, I, you know, I've had to do certain things to help with that. But, but you know, I mean, exercise is helpful as a portion of that, but that's not the primary issue. The primary issue is I need to deal with it biblically. You know, a disciplined mind can withstand pressure with fewer debilitating effects. 
Now, while these disciplines may act like a steel reinforcing root uh, in the concrete beams of our life, reinforcing rods that you might find there, discipline and strain. God never intended us to be able to handle the pressure of life on our own. I want to look at several passages of Scripture. If you have your Bibles this evening, would you look with me at Matthew uh, chapter 4, verse 4. You know what? Uh, this material, the stuff that I'm te- going over tonight has been a tremendous help to me, and then you're getting the byproduct of that, all right? So I've had the rich blessings of doing the study, and uh, it's been a real encouragement for me. And uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It's showing us the absolute necessity for God's word. As I said earlier, there in Psalm 55, 22, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. Another thing here, look with me at John 15. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, so the next book over, a few books over. Matthew, John 15. Many times we treat God like a, a big man upstairs who's too distant from us that he doesn't really care about my everyday life. He's so uh, he's aloof, he's distant. I mean, he's just so many millions of miles away, uh, beyond us, billions or whatever you want to say, some eternal distance away from us, that he doesn't matter, that he doesn't have any uh, care for this. Well, we can say it all day long, oh, God cares for me, God loves me, God. But when the push comes to shove and the rubber meets the road, where am I depending when the pressure of life comes upon me? In John 15, verse 4, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is what? Withered. Men gather them and cast them in the fire and they are burned. What's the principle here? The principle is that when I'm not attached to Jesus Christ, most people think, well, I'm saved, so I'm attached to Jesus Christ. No! That's the starting place. But to abide in Jesus Christ is to obey Him and follow Him and to love Him and to spend time in His Word and to make God's Word a priority, the preeminence in my life. Cast thy burden upon the Lord and He shall sustain thee. I've got to understand, listen, I've got burdens I can't handle. And so I need, as a branch connected to a vine or a branch connected to a tree, I need the lifeblood of that tree to give me the vitality so that that branch can exist and bear fruit. Now, in 2 Corinthians 3, 5, it says, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. So again, the same idea of a tree being attached, or a branch being attached to a tree, or a branch being attached to a vine, that vine will not produce any uh, fruit if it's not connected to that vine or that tree. Because there is nothing that is giving that branch, you know, and that, what that's showing us, that there, but our sufficiencies of God. We might think, I have the strength in and of myself, 
But when trials come, it puts such pressure on me. Maybe that branch says, listen, I'm green today. I'm disconnected from Jesus, and I'm green today. But the heat of the sun comes. and Those leaves and that fruit will wither away pretty quickly. And oftentimes in our lives, I say, God, I'm green today, and you're feeling good. But then things begin to get bad, and you're thinking, oh my. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. What is God trying to show in us? He says, listen, you can't handle the pressure. You can't handle what is being put upon you. There are trials, there are struggles, there are uh, afflictions, there are uh, aggravations in your life you just plain flat out can't handle. What those, the purpose of those is to give me an understanding that, listen, that weight pushes me and it bears down and affects my body. And it says, listen, it's a warning signal saying, listen, you're not connected right. Going on to the next one. As you find this inadequate bodily discipline, selective mental discipline, Pressures, fear, anger, guilt. Have you ever gone to work and maybe you said something to someone and all of a sudden, man, they just chewed you out? Or maybe you said something to your spouse or something to the children or a family member or a friend or whatever. Whatever the situation was, you said something and, man, they just ripped you. I mean, they just ripped you up one side and down the other. I mean, they were all over you. And you're like, listen. That's not what I intended. Now they're really touchy. Many times we don't discipline our bodies adequately. We're selective in which responsibilities we maintain, disciplined mental processes. And the result is much like a, you know, the picture, the pathetic picture that might look like figure two. Each box represents the pressure that comes from a role or relationship in our lives. For instance, a spouse, employee, church officer, parent, minister, hobby, etc. And besides the normal pressures of these roles and relationships, there's external pressures of fear and anger and unresolved guilt. I mean, there's things in society. You can go to work and you see, you know, some individual at your workplace, and man, they seem like they have it all together. They're so smart. Everything seems to work out for them. And you're just like, and, and someone asked you to do a job, and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not very good at this. Why don't you ask them? Why don't you, ask, you know, why don't I ask someone else? We begin to unscramble. We begin to fall apart. And the first thing is that we begin to become overcome. I'd like you to look with me at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. The longer and the more I study of God's Word, the more I am absolutely convinced of how much more we need the Bible. In Proverbs, excuse me, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. If I said Proverbs, I meant Hebrews, so I hope you I hope I said Hebrews. Hebrews 12, 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside. What does it say here? Every weight. 
and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now these are my two favorite, most favorite verses of the entire Bible. And uh, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know what I have to do with my pressure? 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I have to say, God, I'm sorry I'm letting this anxiety and stress wear me down. Proverbs, 28, Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. I've got to say, God, I'm sorry I'm carrying my burdens. We are overcome and we're overloaded with pressure. You know, let's look at uh, Psalm 32. I want to look at uh, several passages of Scripture. A little bit lengthier, but I think it'll be quite beneficial for you. And you should have most of what I'm going through there in the handout. But uh, Psalm 32... get there. My pages are not cooperating. Psalm 32. We're going to read the first six verses. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man into whom the Lord imputeth. The word imputeth there means like, uh, imputeth not iniquity. Like if I do a uh, a crime on the streets, and then it goes on to my criminal record, right? That would be imputed unto my account, that it's been placed on my account, right? That's what the impute means there, okay? So it's placed on my account, but he says he doesn't put that on my account. Imputeth not iniquity, in whose spirit there is no guile. The word guile means deceit. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. What happens here? David has sin. I mean, situation of another... Uh, uh, occasion here of David while he covered his sin of Bathsheba and the adultery. He says, when I kept silence, the stress of his sin, it says, my bones wax old through my roaring all the day long. Your body will hurt more when you are out of fellowship with God. Now, sometimes we just have natural things. Our bodies, we get older, we have arthritis and all sorts of things. But it could very well be an increased pain upon my body because of being out of fellowship with God. Sometimes that pain, you know, God just allows me to go through. It does, it's not a result of sin, but it's merely because God, you know, as the Apostle Paul, he said, I prayed three times that, it, you know, you take away this thorn in the flesh, and God didn't. So it's not necessarily, but your sin will weigh upon your body. Going on, for day and night, thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. For this, every one that is godly, pray unto thee. In a time when thou mayest be found, surely in the flood of great waters, they shall not come nigh unto him. Verse 10. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Where does the relief from the pressures of life 
stem. Trusteth in the Lord. Let's look at uh, Psalm 38, just a few uh, psalms later. I want you to, we're going to read the entirety of this, all 22 verses, a little bit lengthier. But I want you to notice with me how David being out of fellowship with God and his sin affects his body. Notice with me what is stated here. Psalm 38, verse 1, O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure, for thine arrows stick fast in me, and thy hand presseth me sore. There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger. Neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. For mine iniquities are gone over mine head, as in heavy burden they are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. I am troubled, I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long, for my loins are filled with a loathsome disease. And there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and sore broken. I have roared by reason of the disquietness of my heart. Lord, all my desires before thee, and my groaning is not hid from thee. My part, my heart panteth, my strength faileth me. As for the light of mine eyes, it also is gone from me. My lovers and my friends stand aloof from my sore, and my kinsmen stand afar off. So here is the pressures of life that are creating greater division with the friends and family I have in my life because I'm not dealing with pressure biblically. Verse 12, they also that seek after my life lay snares for me, and they that seek my hurt speak mischievous things and imagine deceits all the day long. But I as a deaf man heard not, and I was as a dumb man that openeth not his mouth. Thus I was as a man that heareth not, and in whose mouth are no reproofs. For in thee, O Lord, do I hope. Thou wilt hear, O Lord my God. For I said, hear me, lest otherwise they should rejoice over me. When my foot slippeth, they magnify themselves against me. For I am ready to halt, and my sorrow is continually before me. For I will declare mine iniquity. I will be sorry for my sin, but my enemies are lively, and they are strong, and they that hate me wrongfully are multiplied. They also that render evil for good are mine adversaries, because I follow the thing that good is. Forsake me not, O Lord, O my God. Be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. My friend, we can be overcome because of sin in our lives. And it can be an addition. So some of the struggles, maybe with anger or emotional passion that you know in your heart is wrong, you're not biblically dealing with situations. You're not dealing with situations biblically. Another thing that can also cause increased pressure is being overcommitted. Have you ever, uh, you know, signed up for too many things and then you're just like, I have no time and I can't even think and you're just like, ah, it's <laughs> maddening. You know, hobbies, sports, clubs, second jobs, additional ministries, etc. And it can produce a weight. You know, and, and there is in your sheet there, maybe list your God-given roles and responsibilities. And some of those that I could list as a major responsibility is I am a husband to my wife. I need to care for her. I am a, I'm a father to my, my daughter. I am a, a pastor to this church. And these are some major responsibilities. Some of the minor responsibilities like, you know, mowing the lawn or weed, weed eating. or I mean, there's some other things. Those are minor responsibilities. But, you know, I can always push those off. But I can't stop being a husband or a father or a pastor. That is responsibilities. You know, and... You know, and then sometimes we can also become overdrawn. Pressures at first... Uh, you know, at first, are val- first evaluated by the mind. 
What if uh, your employer adds something to your workload and you're like, I can't do this. You know, you just feel totally overwhelmed. You're just like, they don't know how hard I work. They don't care about me. And you're like, seriously. Do we ever take that to the Lord and say, God, I, I have a new responsibility, but I need you to help me become more efficient? You know what? If our resources are deficient, my mind begins working on a solution, but if I can't find one, I begin to become anxious. I don't have enough time in the day to do this. <laughs> you know? Maybe you get a bill. You receive, and it creates tremendous stress. You know, if you have plenty of cash to cover that bill, you're okay, but if the cash isn't there, or there in the checkbook, out goes your peace. A believer with a renewed mind sees every pressure and resource from God's perspective. You know, God's spiritual checkbook. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God's checkbook and his bank account can never be overdrawn. He has unlimited overdraft protection. I want to read for you just several verses as an encouragement that God has all that we need to supply for us for godly living. 2 Peter 1.3, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. How about 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8? And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Let me say that again. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. How about 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10? And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. This is the Apostle Paul when his body is in great pain. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Is God, maybe the pressures in your life right now, is God allowing these pressures to show you that you have an inadequate view of God? Do your pressures always seem larger to you than God seems to you? Whatever that problem is in your life, that problem is bigger than God is. You, you know, in, in our mind we'll say, well, of course not, Pastor, that's silly. But what dominates your thinking? What is it that keeps you up at night? What is it that it drives you, you know, this franticness and this fretting and this worrying and all of this stuff, that problem is taking priority over God. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 12, both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Luke one thirty seven. for with God nothing shall be impossible. Mary, Jesus' mother, said that. She would be impregnated by the Holy Spirit of God. Ephesians 3.20, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, do we still serve a mighty God? The question to ask is, why do you suppose your view of God is deficient? 
Romans 10.17 and, and Matthew 5.8 reveal two possible reasons. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The problem is I don't go to God's word. I don't hear it. I don't listen for it. And, and I'm not growing. Matthew 5.8, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Here's another one to, to look at here, right, as we go forward. A believer with a renewed mind accepts God's purposes for pressures. What happens, as you see here, when you have a disciplined mind and a renewed mind, you spend time in God's Word, and you're trusting God to take care of the situation, whatever it is. I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, 2nd Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. And 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Are you being renewed day by day? For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Maybe that additional input from your boss, that extra work from your boss, that extra stress, it's only for a moment. Worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal. Any stress you have now, Whatever, if it's job or relational or financial, whatever, it is only temporal. You can't take it with you to eternity. But the things which are not seen are eternal. You realize another passage of Scripture in James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this. That the trying of your faith worketh patience. And then it talks about in 1 Peter 1, verses 6 and 7, Wherefore, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Here are some believers going through a lot of hard things. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found into praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And this is the individual in this uh, figure that understands God's love, grace, and sustaining power. He knows how to pray. He knows Psalm 55, 22, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. So I step back from the problem and I begin to look at the problem from God's perspective because I have allowed this book, right, when I stand up, sit down, wherever I'm going, to filter my thought life and I know what God thinks. I, know, I begin to know who God is. I need to know who God is. You know, oftentimes we don't trust people because we don't know them. And it takes a while sometimes to trust. 
But I want you to understand, the more I get to know the God of this book, I'm just going to trust it. The perspective adds an extra quality of endurance to life that whatever I am going through, I will simply trust Him. In Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither His ear heavy that it cannot hear. So I want to ask you a question as this verse just asks, Is God's hand so short He can't help you with whatever your problem is? Is his ear out of reach from hearing your prayer and your cry for help? But it tells us, Isaiah 59, 2, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Could it very well be that, that what I perceive as God's hand being so short is in fact, maybe there's something in my life that's hindering that fellowship with him. You know, in Psalm 139, 23 and 24, David asks a question, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. I just come to the place, I say, God, would you turn, would you search me? Burnout is God's red warning light. It says the engine's overheating. Now that teacher Janet that I started this illustration off, this message off with, she didn't have to quit her job. God was showing her she needs to quit handling pressures her own way. I want you to look with me at Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Romans chapter 12, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Now, everything that I'm teaching tonight and preaching, it's a whole lot easier to just preach it or teach it than it is to live it, okay? So just because I'm preaching and teaching it to you doesn't mean I've got it all figured out. God's still working on me to deal with these things. But in Romans chapter 12, he says, I beseech you, it's kind of like I'm begging of you, therefore, Brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. And then he gives us, which is your reasonable service. It's only reasonable. It's only fitting. It's only proper. And be not conformed to this world. What does being conformed to this world say? Being conformed to this world is the pressures of this world are making me maybe an angry person, a depressed person, an an anxious or worrisome or whatever, a vicious person, a crotchety person, whatever the pressure of the world's pushing on me. He says, and be not conformed to this world. Don't let the pressures of this world shape who you are. It says, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Whatever pressure comes, I can have such a transformed mind that things that maybe used to bother me don't bother me anymore. Things that 
used to make me upset or anxious or whatever, when I begin to get into this book and I let God deal with the sin in my life and I make it right before Him and I'm earnestly with the the genuineness of my heart, I want to know God and I say, God, I need your help. And God's Word begins to transform. That word transform is metamorphosis, metamorpheo. And so here it's changing me. Complete like a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. I'm not the same person. Isn't that amazing? When I don't have to let whatever stresses of family or friends or society or culture or anything of life drive me to the place of such anxiety or some strong negative emotion wherein it's affecting my body negatively. I don't need to be there. Now, how do we develop a renewed mind? The Bible calls a spiritually immature mind a carnal or fleshly mind. As we find in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 and 2, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. So a fleshly mind evaluates the pressures and pressures from a purely human perspective. How am I going to solve this my way? Whatever comes in an email, in a text, in a phone call, in a social media post, in a direct contact, how do I deal with this pressure when day in and day out, maybe I got to go to work or I got to go to the store and I got to see this person I don't like and, and, and they, every time I see him, my heart begins to race and I'm just like, oh, I don't want to deal with him. <gasps> you know, you just, whatever, you know, the emotion is, but you're, you're, you're trying, to, I'm going to avoid him. I'm going to put these glasses on. I'm going to walk away. I mean, we try all sorts of things to deal with problems. You know, I might think I make you know all these evaluations. That's one more crummy thing I have to do. You know, I think this new requirement at work is dumb. But I guess if that's what they want, I'll put up with it until I can retire. This stuff always happens to me. Doesn't anybody care? I've got enough to worry about already. Why? I don't need this junk. He can't get away with that. I don't have to take that garbage anymore from him. I'm going to ask you the question, can you imagine Jesus Christ responding this way to any of the pressures of his life? Many of us will say, you know what, Christ wouldn't have responded like that. You know what, I'll try to do better. Next time I will do better. The problem is, many times those aspirations, those desires, they don't meet reality because it tells us in ephesians chapter 4 verses 22 and 20 through 24 that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which after god's created righteous true holiness i don't let my mind be renewed tell us in colossians chapter 3 verse 8 but now ye also put off, let's look at me, Colossians chapter 3, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verse 8. Colossians 
Colossians chapter 3, verse 8, But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed knowledge after the image of him that created him. The Bible tells us our mind must be renewed, and that's what James talks about. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save yourselves, but be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. You know what, you got to lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, it means you remain in wickedness. You know what, you, you could... You can get into a mud puddle. You can get into a big hole. We've got lots of big holes around here right now as we're redoing the water line. You could jump into one of these holes in town. You could say, I'm not going to get dirty, but I'm going to climb out of here. It's highly unlikely you're not going to get dirty. right? Humbly realize, you know what? I, I must receive the word with meekness. I need to be a doer of the word. And I need to meditate. Most people don't meditate upon God's word unless they have a structured plan. And that's where meditation of God's word comes into such a play. This, you know, Joshua 1.8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make the way prosper, then thou shalt have good success. So there's a meditation in God's word. A believer must continue to meditate on the pertinent passage of Scripture until two things take place. First, he can forget what he has learned, and second, until he's becoming a consistent doer of the new way of handling pressure. You know what, begin to study. Maybe you're struggling with something. Look at a pressure passage of Scripture, like Psalm 55, 22. Cast a burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. God promises stability only those who will meditate upon his word. Could it very well be that maybe some of the struggles of emotions in your life are a failure to meditate upon God's word. And the test of joy is if a believer has a renewed mind about his pressures, he can consider them a source of joy. You can take those pressures. Instead, if they're a source of irritation, fear, and guilt, he still doesn't have God's perspective. You know, Peter tells us that the pressured believer is one who is in heaviness through manifold temptations. Remember God's reason for this pressure. Any believer can experience the same joy if you handle the situations God's way. Isaiah 26.3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. And last of all, resist their urge to get away from it all. Now, sometimes I may need to necessarily, you know, if you're in a conflict with an individual, sometimes it is best to step away from that that environment, that milieu, right, the, the environment you're in for a moment, temporarily, you know, to argue yourself back into reality and begin to deal with it. But don't just think that a change of scenery is going to change your problems. You can run to the hills, you can run to the bush, you can run to the, the lake, you can run down south, across the world, wherever you're at, those problems are still going to follow you. You know, oftentimes parents will use their work, their television, their sports, their hobbies, or other escapes uh, as a way to get away from the pressure of family living. The problem is, is those teenagers will also do the same thing. They'll use their hobby, their pressures of life, to get away when life becomes difficult for them, and then they won't want anything, anything to do with God. 
because you taught them when pressure comes and life gets difficult, I'm going to escape from reality and here's how I do it, rather than I'm going to escape to God as my refuge. So there needs to be that teaching, right? When you stand up, sit down, that Deuteronomy 6 passage, that they can't get away from it at all. That's not a valid way to deal with problems. They must learn by our example and by our coaching to get to the God of it all when under pressure. And that's what you and I need to do. I need to get to the God of it all when I'm under pressure. And so as we come to the time of invitation, a little bit lengthier message tonight. We'll have a short prayer time afterwards if you'd like to partake. And, um, but just some thinking about this. You know, as you think about pressure of life, what is it that's creating such pressure and anxiety in your life? I really want to ask you, how are you, how are you doing with that? You know what, if we're not dealing with it properly between you and the Lord, I'd ask, and I would encourage you, why don't you just ask God to forgive you? And say, God, I need some help to deal with the problems biblically. Help me have a renewed mind. If you have questions on how to do that, I'd be happy to help you. But my friend, there is a God that wants us to cast our burdens upon Him. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, when you're done praying, feel free to look up, and we'll conclude in prayer tonight. First question I want to ask you is, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? If you died right now, do you know you're going to heaven to spend eternity with Jesus? If you don't, I trust that you would settle that tonight. I'd love to show you. And second of all, if you're a Christian and maybe you're struggling with some pressures of life, family, friends, co-workers, pastor, church, whatever, uh, I trust that uh, you'd begin to get a disciplined mind, a renewed mind. Really just trust the Lord to help you to deal with whatever pressure so you can have joy in the face of adversity. When you're done praying, feel free to look up and we will conclude in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this evening. And Lord, I thank you for the grace that you've bestowed upon us. Father, I know for myself so quickly and easily I can become agitated when stress comes. And Lord, I try to solve it my way only to realize it creates greater division, greater, more conflict. And Father, I pray that you would help us to be biblical and to deal with struggles in, in a biblical way with a renewed mind and with trusting you and casting our burdens upon you. And so, Lord, I yield all of this. May the, the challenges of life, wherever we're at, sitting down, standing up, moving around the house, at work, God, can we learn how to deal with that biblically? And God, may we show forth to a world that is without hope that Jesus is the answer. Father, I love you and thank you for your grace. In Jesus' precious name I pray.